Welcome to the Volley Pod, where we're all about coaching kids volleyball. With drills, skills, and scenarios, we keep things fast, fun, and effective. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball, the Volley Pod is your new source for coaching information. Good morning and welcome to the Volley Pod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, doing well. It's uh, another good day to be uh, in the cave and uh, looking forward to sharing a little volleyball knowledge with you. It's always, uh, I always walk away uh, inspired, ready to, ready to, you know, get my team back out there and, and put your uh, nuggets to work. <laughs> well, <laughs> my nuggets are working hard <laughs> these days, um, but you know what? I always feel the same way. It's so good. And I hope people are getting ideas from this. And then if they are, share them back with us. You know, I'd love to hear people's ideas. And we're going to talk about something in that regard later on. But um, before we even get into this, I thought you were wearing North Carolina Tar Heel Blue. But this is not Tar Heel Blue. The Jumbos. This is the Jumbos. Tough Jumbos. Tufts Jumbos. Tufts Jumbos. That, you got to love their mascot, right? The Can Jumbos. Put that in the camera just yeah, a little bit you got to see that. Yeah, the Jumbos right there. Elephant. See that? Yep. Yeah. The jumbo. Maddie Yu's there. <laughs> yes, she is. Our, our, we were yep. talking about little setting last time. One of all-time favorite setters, Maddie Yu. Oh, yeah. is, she's still at Tufts. I think she was like re- all region last year. Yeah. They got to the final eight. That's uh, right. So I'm, I'm uh, you know, sporting, sporting the Tufts gear the today. I got, a, I got another the Tufts, one. The Tufts blue. That's awesome. I have another one over there for my club team, too. All so right. it's like I'm a fan. <laughs> Looking good with the jumbos. So... Well, well, let's get into it today. So today, well, let's we're presented by Art of Coaching. Absolutely, let's start with that because yes. they uh, they've done a great job of uh, helping us out and gives us real nice format to be able to get in the videos. And I'm, you know, this pod's been fun for me because not only do I get the wisdom from you, it's I'm hunting. I'm hunting through a bunch of great oh, yeah. videos every week uh, on the AOC site. Well, and I don't think necessarily everyone realizes that we unlock these videos that are often locked behind the paywall um if we talk about them in the pod yep right so it's a huge uh, benefit to people to just check them out and and it's just such a great resource you can find everything you need on there yep so awesome well we are blessed to have them and so today we're going to be talking about the skill of the day what do we have for the skill skill of today is out of system setting oh i like it okay so let's talk about rationale first why is this something we should spend time on and first of all uh, it reminds me of what Russ Rose when he was saying that coverage is a skill for everybody. How many skills are there in volleyball that everybody is doing? And hey, the ball finds your worst setter. It's just, it's just, it's just at 15, 15 in the third or the fifth or whatever, that ball goes spinning up in the air. And who is it coming down on? It's coming down on your worst setter. And you're, you just start saying prayers, right? Uh, so it's a skill yes. for everybody. So everybody's got to be able to do it. Like uh, and then we have uh, serve receive. If we if we look at serve receive, we have both setters and non setters, okay. and then maybe even some rules of the road, like who's going to take that ball. Okay. And I, I know a lot of people go, no, I want my setter touching the second ball, and I'm not one of those guys. I'm one of those going, wait a minute, we don't need our setter sprinting to 25 feet to set. We have somebody standing right there. Let's take two steps and make a, a great out-of-system set from there from uh, 
Uh, and, you know, I have the luxury of, of coaching players who've played a fair amount of volleyball. So if you're on a team where your setter is by far the, the best ball hand, or maybe you want to give her more free reign, but I don't. Uh, transition. Uh, after setter dig, whoever you have doing that, and you say, okay, well, little barrel is going to step in and do it. Uh, but of course, uh, the third thing we have to look at is that mayhem that you have with digging sometimes. So you have that low dig that is shot to the net. Your middle blocker has to throw up a bump set. What does that look like? Is it go out of play and all of a sudden ball touches your middle and then you lose a point. So spending time on this skill is important. So Absolutely. that's my little rationale for, uh, for getting after it. Well, I, first of all, I totally agree. And I think more more than we would like to we are out of system right we try to get in system but often we are out of system oh yeah yeah i so. was just looking i did a uh a little search uh little huddle search of my outsides her all of her attacks in the last match and i couldn't believe how many were out of system what, i think she had 27 attacks and i think only you know, only a third of them were in system or wow. something like that yeah, so see, i was gonna say half but a third wow that's <laughs> I mean, crazy yeah okay wow so so what do you got for it so well i think we start with the hands and you're a setter davis and i think this idea of uh teaching everybody how to use their hands yeah. and set uh i think that when you when we teach this we do it with uh, a player and a ball and so everybody has a ball and what the first thing they're doing is well, i'm teaching them how to spin the ball so i'm teaching them to to hold the ball kind of turn it in the wrist and then spin it okay and toss it super high okay and then the first thing they have to do is just let it land in their hands and how does it land in their hands okay. if it's bouncing around we have some issues, so we have to clean that up. So this idea of self-setting high spinners, and you can just do it, have them set against a wall. Okay. So they toss a ball 20 feet in the air with a bunch of spin on it. As soon as they can catch it consistently in their hands, they can kind of get what we call in the wedge. Okay. That is, you know, in that, you know, thumb and forefinger and get stuck in that wedge with their thumbs pointed back to their eyes. We don't want their thumbs kind of, you know, inverted lobster claws. We want them kind of back at their eyes so they can stop the ball with that, that strength of the wedge. Okay. And then can they set it high? And secondly, when they start setting these balls, can they use their legs? Okay. Because this is a ball they have to push high. Okay. So I think a lot of times we have, I watch players setting back and forth and they're setting low balls. But an out-of-system set is never low, really, right. uh, for if you're a non-setter, at least for us. Right. Maybe some teams are doing that, but we aren't. Uh, so being able to have the ball be in, in the wedge consistently so we have a release. And then using your legs so we have the legs and arms working together to push the ball high. And then the idea, the third thing with that is the idea of finishing. Can they look like a setter when they're done? Okay. And so we like that big, big flat hand, symmetric hand finish. So you're showing the referee, hey, I can, I, I can set this ball. And it's not, oh, I hope nobody saw this. And right. they just jab out and pull their hands back and go running away from it. And the referee's whistle's blown as soon as, <laughs> you know, even before the, uh, the, the player the touches touch. the ball, the ref's calling it. So yeah, starting right. with the hands, like and that. once again, uh, we don't let everybody set with their hands and uh, most of the people we we don't 
they, they aren't using their hands. But we, we try to teach everybody nonetheless, and there are times when, when players use it. From there, we go to uh, using your platform. And I stole a term. One of my favorite terms is tabletop. And that is a uh, that is a Chris Lamb of Wichita State. That's one of his uh, go tos, uh, and he coaches his players on the tabletop as well as anybody. I spent a summer with him. The idea of you can't swing a tabletop, so you should be lifting the table with your legs, like right? It. So you're lifting the table with your legs, and can you coordinate your body? Because you start swinging that tabletop around, and just the fluctuation Angles. is such that yep. it's tough. So can you show your angle? And if the tabletop's angled, if you have it on an angle, that's fine, but it's nice and, and flat, and you just, you're just you lifting up with your legs and like getting that ball high in the air. So, uh Tabletop is is huge, and most one. of our players are doing it. And, you know, we, we had – I mean, Sid can use her hands. Our libero now is a talented kid. She can use her hands. But if I'm not telling her to use them every time, she, she's so good at tabletoping. She just uses she's the like, tabletop all the time. Yeah. And she's just so comfortable with it. And so uh, I've kind of stopped nagging her about it, going, I got enough, enough stuff I'm nagging her. She's she's pretty <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty accurate she's with pretty the tabletop, cute. so I, I let her use it. I love so, that cue. I love that cue. That's a, that's so a good one too. You can't swing a tabletop, you yeah. know, and I don't want them swinging their arms on those. I want them lifting it up out there. Can it be a precision skill? And we'll do some things in pairs where they're tabletopping directly in front of them. Okay. They're tabletopping on their left. They're tabletopping on their right. So we have that, that tilt we have with the tabletop, but still using your legs. And then the, the one time that you have to swing a little bit, of course, is when it's coming back behind your head. Right. And that's the one time when yeah. it's not so much of a tabletop as it is, hey, we have to swing a little bit on that one to come back over our head. Okay. That's really cool, though. I like that. I love that. That's a great start. Cool. Okay. And then along with that, I think we have to we have to link some skills into the out-of-system setting. And if the team's out-of-system and we're playing a good team, and hopefully if you're playing my team and you're out-of-system setting, Davis, my block is closed. Yes. I'm a guy who said, hey, when we know where the ball is going, can we have four hands? Can we have them big? Can we have them closed with no seams? And can we be st strong blocked? So I think we have to cover. So after we set, it's always connected to coverage like because we know the other team's going to have a, a block up and we can't expect that, oh, I made this great set. We're going to score. Right. Well, no, hey, you make a great set, and it's, it's, it's great, but, hey, we want our hitters to challenge edges of the block. So if we get blocked, hey, it's okay to get blocked. We, we want to cover it. So set connecting cover. connecting yeah. coverage to it and then connecting attacker approach to it. So if you're going to do a bunch of out-of-system setting in practice, you might as well have your hitters time it, and maybe if you don't want them to hit, they can just approach and jump and catch it. And you can do it on one side of the net, even as pregame warm up or something where, hey, you have a, you know, the players can run it. They have a, a digger and then a setter go and cover and then become the hitter after you cover. And then we're working on, you know, we like those out of system sets high. We want our hitters to be stopped so they're not moving when the ball is set. Uh, so what we call zero step. Okay. Uh, and so connecting those things to out of system setting. So it's not just a, an isolated skill. We have a couple other skills we can link to it. 
like that. There's a lot of great stuff there. That's so cool. Uh, this is any, what else? What do well, I forget? Well, so just a couple of things I'm curious about, and you started to get into it a little bit, but I find that right now, almost everyone does the, um, the exact same thing out of system. If the setter digs, they'll dig to the libero and they'll set a right side ball. What I'm getting interested in is what else can the libero do if they're good? So once they can do that, that right side ball and locate, can they maybe jump over the line and dump one? Can they jump over the line and back set with their hands? Or can they keep us in tempo and maybe if the block's not fully closed, you know, challenge challenge that a little bit. I think at the higher levels, some teams can do that. And then the other one that I want to do, but I, it's a little brave, is like what they're doing at the highest level where when the setter digs it, middle back will come in and act like they're going to hit it or, and either hit it or, or tilt set to someone. Yeah, that's so, fun stuff too, huh? That's fun stuff too. And I, and I feel like there may be a place for that because – Right now, I, I don't know the numbers, but I don't think, unless you have a dominant right side, that that is a scoring offensive play all that often, just yeah. turning and setting the five. So I'm trying to figure out ways to get that number up a little bit. Well, I think that if the, you know, Sid's pretty good at bump setting back. I mean, she can she locate can it, it back behind yeah. her. So it's a little tough with her. And, you know, we try to hedge with our middle blockers when we know it's going. And she can still <laughs> fool them. Right. And so right. they might hedge over to the right and then she'll go back over their head. She gets kind of a little look, I think, sometimes. So uh, she can do a little bit of that. I mean, because she doesn't use her hands, we, we haven't messed with the other stuff as much. And I was hoping to do some of that this year. But uh, it's like anything, Davis, that stuff takes time. Yeah. And how much time uh, to spend on some of that. But it's, hey, we won a state match a few. Paris Winkler shot a ball over on right. two from a libero. So cool. I mean, and, hey, you remember those. And so it and was. Maybe uh, have to do, you maybe have to dump one for them to kind of wait on it just enough to make the right side be even more effective. Yep. So, so maybe just do a little bit. So, But I love out-of-system stuff. And um, I, I think that was a great, great skill topic. So awesome. So, cool. All right. What do we have with scenario okay. today? So the scenario today is when you have a blended values team in terms of winning and player development. Okay. So th this is often like a twos team or a sort of middle of the road varsity team where they are not necessarily always trying to win, although they're trying to win the game, but they're that may not be their number one priority all the time. They may need to focus on player development if they want to win a, and by that, I mean, you know, get some younger players in, in a position where they could be successful, um, maybe play some players on extended roles, even if that it's going to cost the team some points. And this is a topic that I think almost every team has. If you only have the, the, the winning goal, it's so much simpler. Oh, definitely. You know, and if, if you have that, you can count yourself lucky in a sense. But I also think that it's not actually a reality that you only have winning. The players at the end of the bench want that player development and they want to play just as much on as on any team. So I think this is valuable for really any team. And I don't have really any answers. I do have some things that I've done wrong. Um, and I do have a couple of suggestions for people where they have this blended approach. Um, 
The first is something that I ran it by my coach friends and they disagreed with and I stand by it and it's to bring the parents in on your decisions. And by bring them in, I don't mean they get a vote. Okay. What I do mean is you tell them what you're going to do. Okay. I think when they're caught off guard is when they have the hardest time with it. And uh, I'll give you an example. So, uh, well, before I give the example, I guess, let me go with point two. There are higher stakes matches and lower stakes matches, right? And as coaches, we are aware of which those are. And as players, I don't know if they always are. And I don't know if they necessarily need to be. But I think if sometimes we can convey, well, you know, not necessarily this is a low stakes match. That's why I'm getting you in. But we've secured, you know, X position in this tournament and we've really done a good job. I think now would be a great time to get, you know, so-and-so in, right? I think by bringing the parents in, by bringing the team in on the that decision, I really think it can make a lot of problems go away. So that's the first thing is you got to share it with them. Now, how do you do that? You so say you share it with us. So I, I might not be in full agreement with some of this stuff, but, I know. Uh, I, I, uh, yes. but how do you do that? When you say you share it with parents. So I may just be, it may just be a simple, you know, WhatsApp message, you know, so this tournament, we are going to play the starters almost every time the starters will start every single match. I, I'll make changes at this, you know, maybe around seven points. If we're up or down seven points, you kind of give them a little heads up. Now, like I said, most of my coach friends did not agree with that because it can be opening Pandora's box with the parents. Like you said this. And, you know, I always say, you know, but I'm always going to adjust with how the match goes. It, it's still not a cure-all. Okay. I just think that them knowing typically works out better for me. They know my intentions, at least. Okay. Um, I don't know if people agree with that, but that's, that's one of the things I would do. I would also share it with the team what the goals are for each tournament. So if you're trying to win and I'm thinking in terms of club, I coach club right now. And so if you go in, we want to win this tournament and we've, I'm in a situation where, you know, occasionally that's the case. We, we need to go undefeated or, or essentially maybe lose one match to win the tournament. I tell them we're going to win, you know, we're going in to try to win this tournament or this is a, you know, recruiting tournament. We're going in to showcase our players. Okay. So you can kind of set it up and you can even say, hey, you're starting match one on day one. You're starting match two on day two. Now, some people don't like that because they think that you're, you know, not playing to win. I, I just disagree with that. I think there are too many matches that are perceived as important when we could be getting players in more often. I just think there should be more friendly tournaments I'm sorry to go on my little soapbox, but I think there's this perception that every match matters so much to this player and to the team. And that's not the, that's not a, the truth. And there are many opportunities where I could get people in and help our team be better and help the morale of the team be better. What are your thoughts on this? Sunday? I guess the parent thing is, uh, you know, I, my, decision-making, uh, procedures, uh, I share, I'll share with the team and if they choose to share them with parents, so be it. Um, if parents have issues with it, uh, you know, it has to be a player issue. It can't be a parent issue. So, mm -hmm. um, my feeling is, uh, Hey, if the player has an issue and player wants to come and talk to me, 
that's fine. Uh, but I'm not really getting into playing time issues in general with parents because of that, because yeah. my, you know, focus is always, Hey, playing time is a player thing. It's not a parent thing. Right. And, uh, if the player's unhappy or wants more playing time or wants this, they want to come and talk to me about it. I'm happy to come and talk to, they want to come in for extra reps. They want to do all the things that, um, we can suggest for them for that. We, we will do that. So I guess that's the first thing. Uh, but I guess the mixed goals is that's what makes it tough. Cause it, once again, if you're doing one or the other, it's, it's relatively simple. And, you know, I'm in high school, we're trying to win every match. I've been known to have a fairly, uh, you know, uh, you know, short lineup basically. Yeah, yeah. I don't sub. I mean, you know, a lot of times we're using, you know, we'd use 10 kids, but we might have kids who don't play in matches. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we try to catch those kids doing a bunch of things that we value. And, you know, we say all the time is, you know, your contribution to the team and playing time are separate issues that we don't feel like just because you're, you know, an outside hitter who we're setting, you know, 40 times a match or whatever, you're more valuable than that kid who doesn't get in. Absolutely. Uh, it's, hey, you have an easier role. It's easy to get set 40 times and be positive and uh, have a good attitude. But when you don't get in, that's the job that's tough. That's the person who really is we really have to respect when they can stay positive and they can be supportive of their teammates when they don't get playing time. So uh, we try to make a big deal out of that. So do you think the high school goals are more or less blended than the club goals? I think at the varsity level, they're probably uh, they're probably less. Because, I mean, I think, hey, you know, I tell them, hey, we're, we're, we're trying to win. And, I kind of think you know, that too. we have – and I think club is a little different. You know, you're paying there. And, uh, you know, it's ability grouped, which, right. uh, hey, you have a twos team. Everybody is at a certain level. So you don't have this huge disparity right. where on my varsity team – in any position, I could have a huge disparity. Hey, we don't have any middles at our school, so we have maybe, you know, we have middles who never played middle, you know, and then we have players who are going to play college volleyball and are used to playing, like somebody like Sid with the best kids oh, yeah. in the county, and she comes and plays with us and goes, what's going on? I mean, it's a little change for her. So, well, and uh, I've just I've just seen the increasingly adamant, parents wanting to be involved with the process of their daughter in club. And so I've just kind of gone with that and just brought them in. Yeah. I know it's not for everyone, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, Hey, everybody has, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it has messed with me at times, but overall it's worked out in my favor. I think um, just by having that clear communication, but I can hundred percent see it. Going the other way. Yeah. So anyway, so, that's the scenario. I think there's a lot more we could talk about with. Oh, it. we could. I mean, hey, this this is the you know prime question of coaches all over the place. Is hey, you want to develop kids and you and you want to win, and and there are times when uh, you can't do both at the same time, and you're going to have to shade one way or the other, and you know you have parents in the club who want to win and their kids playing all the time, and they're saying, hey, why are you sitting my kid when we're trying to win? Yep. And then you have the other parent going, Hey, you got to give my kid a chance. You know, we're paying all this money. We're traveling and we have all the stuff we're doing. What's she there for? Yep. 
And so uh, those are the those are the questions there. Those are that's a it's a great scenario. Yeah, and I'll, I'll leave one one idea too. Like I just want them to understand the value of practice. Like I want practice to be where they're getting better. Of course, they're going to get better in the matches, but we're going to make our practices so effective that the player development will happen and right. we want them to be reassured that they're going to get better. Right. And then they, they see themselves getting better. Yeah. And that's something that the parent might not see, uh, but they do. Yeah. Very cool. So awesome. So what do we got for the videos? The videos today. Well, we got three of them today. Unlocked on the Art the, of Coaching website. Uh, unlocked. The first one is Christy Johnson, Iowa State. And okay. she's doing... Uh, my little four-on-four four game, Kamikaze, that we always talk about, the out-of-system setting okay. game. So two kids on the net, two kids kind of playing doubles in the backcourt. It's a back row setting game. So you're getting a bunch of pin sets from the back row. And the way Christy runs it is she runs it on rotate. So after you set, you go cover, and then the hitter goes out, and that person becomes the hitter. So it's a nice little way to rotate. Okay. Okay. So you can rotate your whole team through there. And let's say you have, you know, 12, 14 players. You just put six or seven, you know, on a side and they're rotating through those fours. I like that. So it's okay. uh, everybody's getting the out of system setting. Everybody's getting the out of system hitting. I like it. Very so cool. that's the first one. One of my favorite games. Yep. The second one is another gemstone quick hitter. Okay. And the reason I like this one is it's his junior national team again that he was coaching. So, you know, the best like under 19 year olds uh, he coached a couple years ago, went on an international tour. But he just has a bunch of clips watching them set both with their hands okay. and table topping. So you can see the technique there with accomplished players and you can see the hitters being super patient and waiting. You can see the coverage. So all those things you have, I like, you know, we talked about it uh, on the last pod, the idea of showing uh, the good. Can we go, Hey, this is what we want it to look like and showing those models and that they aren't professional. You know, they're still kids that are about their age, right? They're a year or two older maybe, but they're still, uh, they're, they're right in their age bracket, but they, they're making it look pretty easy. And then finally, the last one is uh, everybody likes the big S, you know, everybody likes uh, Stanford, likes to watch uh, Kevin Hambly's up there. Oh, yeah. And so he just did super simple saying, hey, we have a serve receive and then a plus one and the plus one is put into your setter. Okay. okay, so it's just, hey, we're working in row two, serve, receive, and then ball goes back row to the setter, and then we play that out of system ball. So super simple stuff. I love it. But once again, uh, you see, you know, the uh, best teams in the nation doing the simple stuff. Doing it well. Yep. Right. Very cool. So I do have one resource. Ah, the resource. And this is a really cool one, and not a lot of programs will have access to this thing, but it is something that just makes you think, really. So it's called NOAA. And what it is is a trajectory tracking computer, essentially, that you set up. It tracks the ball flight and it calls out a number, which is essentially the degrees at which the ball came out. And what you try to do is match the ideal number. So if it comes out too high, the number will be too high. If it comes out too low, the number will be too low. And the idea is to, for the setter to stand there or set or whatever and to repeat, 
right? The thing costs about 6,000 bucks, okay? But what happens is you get all this variation in your setting goes much, much smaller because instead of just a feel, you get a real concrete um, evidence of what the trajectory of the set is. Yeah, I think in the last one you were talking the whole idea of, you know, feedback mechanisms and you think about, you know, unemotional feedback mechanism you have that no one number coming out every time and that yes. kind of flat voice yes. that, that number and it's uh uh players dial into it and they used to have one i think did jj have or somebody at the yeah, club was JJ playing did, around one yeah. so he had one for a while they were hot some years back and then uh, it seemed like i guess just the setting them up and it just a little labor intensive yep. yeah but i think it's a really cool idea really for people to mess around with can we repeat 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 versus that's a good set you know let's put some numbers on it let's define it and let's make it really really clear i'll throw out another one for you that's sure. a little cheaper than noah okay, sure i don't know where i got this it was a they were taking uh like like using like vertex or something like that or your targets and running elastic perpendicular to the net. Okay. So okay. now you have, hey, this is where we want the peak of the set to be, where this piece of elastic is. I like that. And so rather than having the elastic run like on top of the net, right? You have the elastic running perpendicular. That's really cool. So a little different awesome. idea. Yeah. yeah. And it, again, just getting people thinking they'll get that external feedback. That's right. What, what Not a, quite 6,000 bucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, what a cool episode today. We talked about a bunch of cool stuff today. We talked about Noah. We talked about the videos where you can grab the videos on our yep. coaching. We talked about my skill your out skill. of system setting of course we talked about out of system <laughs> setting wonderful and we talked about the scenario of having a blended value team where you got to win and you got to develop players so once again thanks a lot Tosh. davis i appreciate it take care have a good one